So I mean, pour one out for getting you guys to come back to Chicago land, <laughs> but I'm excited for you. Thank you. <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming, teen cinema, and adult rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, library manager and YA lit enthusiast, and I am here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Marin Hagman, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here today to talk about the 2021 adaptation of the novel by the same name, The Hating Game. Uh, the Hating Game was originally written by Marin? Sally Thorne. And adapted uh, by Christina Mengert and directed by Peter Hutchings. A uh, quick spoiler alert at the top of the show, we are going to be getting into the nitty gritty of this movie. So if you would like to view the film unspoiled, I recommend you pause and come back. Uh, the Hating Game stars Lucy Hale as Lucy Hutton, Austin Stowell as Joshua Templeman, Damon Duano as Danny, Sakina Jaffrey as Helen, Corbin Burnson as Betty. Yasha Jackson as Julie, Sean Cullen as Anthony, and a bunch of other people. I wanted to see how far down Josh's family. Ah, here we are. Nicholas Baruti as Patrick, Josh's brother. Um, Catherine Boswell as Mindy, Patrick's fiance. Um, wow, Josh's parents don't even show up on the uh, IMDb list. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> and then some people oh that that would be sean Cullen as anthony and nance williamson as elaine um josh's parents oh there we go. so the hating game the hating game is about lucy and josh who are both in parallel positions uh previously for two different publishing companies that have merged putting them in the uh same office space and doing approximately the same thing uh, they both end up as candidates for the same promotion as these two published these two former separate publishing houses uh, try and reconcile into one cohesive business. I have questions about that. We'll get into it later. <laughs> um, and as the and the two of them uh, are pitted in competition to each other uh, against each other, and we are told from the beginning by Lucy that neither of them like each other, which is another concept that we're going to revisit. <laughs> Um, and as they uh, one-up each other in their bids for this new job position, um, the tension, romantic and otherwise, uh, starts to kind of mount between them, um, culminating in uh, a couple of back-and-forths where jo they make out in an elevator, uh, Lucy tries to make out, with Josh in a closet, he turns her down. Um, at some point, they go back to his apartment where Lucy tries to sleep with Josh. Josh turns her down. She ends up going to his brother's wedding with him, where they do finally sleep together. Um, there are some misunderstandings uh, related to the job, which Lucy ultimately gets, partially because Josh leaves the company 
uh, for a, another position at Hatchet. One of the big, what is it? Is it down to three or four now? I feel like it used to be like the big five of publishing. One of the yeah, one of the big leaves, ones. <laughs> yeah, he he leaves their made up publishing house for an actual a publishing house that exists in real life, and I just don't remember which one it is. Um, and they end the movie together and happy, and it's very very cute. Um, did I miss anything important that we're not about to get into in further detail? I mean, I think you you hit on all the big points. I think we can just fill in details here. Yes. Um, so my favorite thing about this movie is that Lucy thinks that they're in an enemies to lovers situation. <laughs> and Josh is ready to wife this woman from the first <laughs> minute of this movie. Uh and I think, and I will, I'm very sorry, I'm going to try not to constantly be like, in the book! But I think one way that, that this movie really does do a really great job of adapting this book is, the book is all from Lucy's point of view. It is exclusively, like, her... And so to actually get to see... So there are, like, hints that Josh is like, oh, I'm so into this. Um, but we don't actually get to see it the way we do on film. Um, so it was really, I think one thing they did successfully, like in getting us completely out of her head or not being entirely in her head, um, as we are in the book is that, yeah, you get to see that right away. You can pick up on the vibe of, oh, Lucy is clearly misunderstanding this situation. And the way that they both, so I will admit for maybe the first 20 minutes or so, I was annoyed with this movie because miscommunication is one of my least favorite plot devices in rom-coms. Mm -hmm. Like I, I am constantly yelling at movies like just talk to each other. But I think what makes this one work for me is that Josh is trying the whole movie. <laughs> like he, I felt he was very kind of, upfront well i mean not as upfront as he could have been because then we'd have no movie but like it was always very obvious to me that he was like trying to engage with lucy as a real person and she was so entrenched in this idea of them in competition with each other that she like she constantly thinks he's playing head games and really he's just like no i gave you a nickname because i'm in love with you you doofus <laughs> I literally painted the walls of my bedroom your eye color. Yeah. Um, so I once I once I kind of understood what we were doing here, I was like, oh, this is adorable. Lucy is a dingus. Yep. And truly, she's like, I don't understand you. And I'm like, Lucy, he wants to marry you. Like <laughs> that that is what this is. <laughs> Yeah, and I think too. I think one thing that it, I, I think one thing that works about this because you're right. The many miscommunication plots just stretch belief. You're just like, really, you two, because they stretch belief because you're like, it forces you to like in a way disrespect the character because or lose respect for the character. I should say, because you're thinking, well, any functional adult could solve this with a thirty minute conversation. And so you're like, well, consequently, character, you are not a functional adult who communicates well. Um, and I, yes. I think that this portrays so realistically the ways in which people who are in their own world 
can't see out of it. And the ways, and I think it was night, it was like just subtly done enough that you could see where exactly these small miscommunications had happened that had led to big miscommunication. Um, and, and I think the key for me is that it's not even a miscommunication. It's like Lucy choosing, it's like Lucy just not understanding what Josh is saying. Right, like, like she's willfully he, misinterpreting. Yeah, so like when he doesn't want to kiss, like upset because she's like, well, let's just have sex and get it out of our system. And he's like, mm, actually pass. Like, I, that to me, I was like, because he doesn't want to just sleep with you, Lucy. Like he is, he is telling you <laughs> what. Like that was one of those things where it was like, he is clearly, he is so clearly interested in her and i did not blame him for being upset when she was just like like let's just resolve this romantic tension and then we can go back to doing what we were doing before and he was like mm, hard pass because he doesn't want to do that well so, and she just can't see that he is i mean of any game he is playing he is playing the long game and he wants to set them up for a long-term romantic relationship and Right. She has convinced herself that it is all, that it's all games. And, like, to the extent where she doesn't believe him when he's like, no games. <laughs> right. So oh. it's it's not even, it's not even miscommunication. It is one character just being like, I choose not to believe what you're telling me. While the <laughs> other one is like, but if you could just get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's also a good lesson in how cuz and I think the movie is very smart to pull back and show us those first impressions or her first impression of him really cuz we get that filtered through her perspective. I I think one thing that the film really successfully translates from the book is that we get to see that through her perspective. So we we get why she is clouding all of their interactions through this antagonistic lens. And so she doesn't become. You realize exactly why she is not picking up on these very clear and explicit things Josh is telling her and like her perspective that is making her willfully misinterpret what's going on. So it's not that she is. I'm backing myself into a corner here, but it's, it's, you understand, because I think we've all had those situations of, like, we have one impression of a person, and we put them in a certain box, and then whenever they show us evidence that they don't fit in that box, we ignore it, because I think as people, one thing our brains really like to do is classify, and, um, and come up with easy categories. And so we can see, oh, Lucy put him in the enemy category. Therefore, she interprets all their interactions through antagonism. And I I think that's a, such a relatable thing. It's a little odd how far Lucy takes it. Um, but I, I think that's why this works in terms of... I, I think that so often that lack of communication is it's just by somebody not telling someone simple information. But here we get the backstory, we get why she is interpreting him this way. 
even though we as viewers can see the evidence that um clearly this is not her perspective is clearly not tied to reality um and i did get frustrated with her but i think you're supposed to right like I I think there is a point in the movie where we are supposed to go from being like, well, I don't know, Lucy, what are his motives to being like, no, Lucy, you need to actually listen to what this man is telling you. Um, But I think that that's kind of an intentional shift of the movie. Yes. Um, And I I think it, yeah, it, it keeps, I think the movie very clearly is on the side of Lucy has locked so hard into this first impression and she needs to get herself out of it. I will say I did not love the kind of B plot of the other guy that has a crush on Lucy that she uses as like a date shield early in the movie. And then that turns into a thing for a while. I don't, I don't love that plot line just because it's like this is a nice guy and you're using him in a gross way oh okay Um, so i actually so this is actually the plot line that's most changed from the book um in the book he is very much a capital n nice capital g guy um and you are very much not rooting for him so it's actually a bit of a change that um Danny can take a no nicely and is like, oh, okay, that's not what we're doing. Sure, I'll, you want to contract me for your graphics? Sounds good. Uh, whether is in the book, he's a little bit more of a pest. And you're kind of like, oh my God, I mean, go away she, already, Danny. Does she still, like, make up a date and then be like, Danny likes me. I can use him for this fake date that I made up to impress Josh. Yes, but it turns out he actually very much likes her, and then when she turns him down, he's like, but no. And see, I I have a hard time with that because, like, like, yes, you should respect people when they say no, but also don't use people like that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't I don't love I don't love that Lucy uses him in that way in the first place well and maybe it's because we're more in her head and so we see her it's not like a malicious maybe in the movie it's a little more malicious of i need uh because i i think in the book it's a little more um it's not as calculated of i need to have him as a date shield um I think she just accidentally, or, like, she does say to Josh to get out of something, oh, yeah, I have a date with Danny. But I think it's much more she goes to Danny as, like, hey, real sorry, man. Like, is this cool? Um, And he's like, okay. And then it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I really do like you. And can we date, please? And she's like, nah. And he's, like, a bit of a, a again, capital N, capital G, nice guy. About Oh, it. for sure. And that's... Like that's gross for sure. I'm just, I'm just saying that that is a particular plot device sure. that I don't love. No, that makes like sense. Like the when she's like, "I have drinks at seven and he's like, "I'm gonna be at that same bar," and then in like immediately, I'm like, "Oh no, yes." Yeah. <laughs> like, 
who is she is she going to pick up a rando on the street like how does this how does this play out and because at that point in the movie we already know that danny has a crush on her mm-hmm. i felt a little icky about her being like hey danny change your schedule to take me out yeah it is very funny because yeah the it is quite a reverse of in the book you just can't wait for danny to go away and you're like ugh, and and this he's yeah you you much more feel for him so it's kind of an interesting contrast and he is way more understanding because i i i have never read the book so i don't really have a comparison point but it also feels like in the movie she lets that one go on kind of a while yeah well there's in the book it's he won't go away and it's like, sure okay man like you need to stop getting her flowers and showing up now like come on yeah and here it's like ooh, we're maybe taking this too far yeah. maybe a little yeah. um and then danny is surprisingly like chill about it yeah and um, he yeah i was like i would date danny he seems really nice and like likes yeah. cool stuff he's a cutie pie <laughs> he was cute um yeah no i yeah yeah it was kind of funny to me that they like turned danny from kind of the villain into like a cool dude yeah the only villain in this movie well josh's dad turns out to be a real a real uh yep psycho um Yeah, that wedding sequence. Oh, it's rough. Right before the wedding, they're in sort of a a low point where God, what 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 causes their fight right before the wedding when she's like, "I'm not going to this wedding," and he's like, "Actually, you are. Let's go." Well, it's oh, she turns she him tries, down. She tries to sleep with him, or he and turns he turns her, her down. down. Yeah. Yeah, so he she's like, I don't understand you. And he's like, well, you still owe me, so let's go to my brother's wedding so that I have someone to impress my parents with. <laughs> um, they finally bone. And then at the actual wedding, we find out that Josh used to date the bride. This is This is another thing. And maybe it is just because my brain works differently. But every time somebody in a rom-com gets upset when they find out that the person they're with dated somebody else before them, I'm like, why is this important? Like, yeah, it's kind of weird that Josh dated the woman who ended up marrying his brother, but I truly did not understand why suddenly... Like, why that was an issue for Lucy. I I think it's... I think the issue was that Josh didn't warn her and she got blindsided. Um, And I think it wasn't just that Josh and this woman had happened to date at one point. It was that this woman literally left Josh to be with his brother. Um, I guess my reaction to that would be, oh, I'm going to go comfort my boyfriend because this must be a very awkward position for you. I guess... I have never felt affected by previous relationships of the people that I date. Like that's just never been like, I don't care. They're it, it's not, it's not them anymore. It's me. So well, I think why it was, would I be upset about that? I think it was a little bit 
uh, that Josh had just kind of brought her into this emotional minefield and she didn't know. Um, cause I don't think it was about like Josh being heartbroken that this woman had moved, you know, had left him for his brother. I think it was just, I, I think it also all tied back to his father's, um, favoring his brother at the time. And it was just one more, oh, and this woman also chose your brother over you. Um, oh, my God, his father's speech. Yeah. As soon as his dad was like, I'm going to wing it, I was like, no, bad no. call. Bad no. call, my dude. Um, yeah, because his, his, the speech that he gives at Josh's brother's wedding ends up being basically about how much of a failure he thinks that Josh is. Yeah. I... I'm shocked that Josh went to that wedding at all. I know, right? I might have skipped it. Yep. Yeah, so I think ultimately I'm... it comes down to... Sorry, getting back to my broader point about why Lucy was upset. Yeah. I, I think it, it comes down to, like, an emotional withholding of, like, Josh has not shared any of this with her, and so, um, you know, her having to walk into this situation, not just, like, his relationship like, his former relationship with the bride, but just, like, her having to walk into this situation with very little context. And I think it gives her some heads up of, like, yeah, I quit medical school, my dad was really mad about it, and, like, went fishing with my brother when I graduated with my MBA. But I think he just, I think it was all part of a, like, whoa, okay, you haven't shared any of this with me, and just kind of threw me in here. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I'm totally willing to accept that this may just be that my brain is different in some way. Um, but yeah, that was one of those things where I was like, you seem upset, and I don't understand why. <laughs> Although, she does kind of get over that one pretty quick. Yeah, which yeah. Which I, like, I, I, I appreciate that we didn't have to spend that much time on that one. Yeah. Like... Because I think it was we just have that more moment. A, whoa, blindsided. Okay, getting my bearings back. Yeah, we have that moment. They go and they talk outside in the snow. Do have to say, by the way, had some pretty nice flashbacks to my own wedding, which Aww. also took place. Well, we got married in January, and they had a Christmas wedding, which I was kind of fundamentally opposed to. But um, I thought it was lovely. Didn't love her dress, but... Didn't love her dress. I Didn't always... love that they had the ceremony outside. That was one where I was like, yeah, you're all really lucky the snow started an hour Chilly. later. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we do get to have a very cute scene with Lucy and Josh outside while the snow is falling. Mm -hmm. um, and then Lucy gets to go unload on his dad. And I was like, yes, I approve of this. Thank you. Tell Tell everybody how cool Josh is. I love that. I took some time to warm up to the actor playing Josh, but ultimately did decide that I liked him. I did too. And I, so originally Robbie ML from various, uh, 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 CW properties, um, was cast. And I was a little, I remember being a little disappointed and I, I did give poor, um, Austin stole short shrift. I think the first time I watched this, just being like, Rami Amel would have done a better job. 
but no, I think he, um, I think he does really do a good projecting Josh's depths, um, under that very cold exterior. Um, and you see him slowly warm up throughout the course of the movie and you understand why he is so guarded. Uh-huh. I did have to laugh. The the nickname thing, so he calls her shortcake through the entire movie, and she thinks that he's making fun of her because she's short, and I'm like, my my dude, he would not have given you a nickname if he was not already in love with you. And then we find out that it's because she was born in Vermont, question mark, where they grow strawberries, and he's well, like, yes, I need to do that Well, strawberry farmers. I don't know how clear they make yeah. it in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, and then I will nickname you Shortcake because I'm already in love with you. And I was like, that's the cutest thing ever. Catch up, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, truly the nickname. I was like, oh, he's he's gone. He's done. This is. (laughs) And then the whole when he takes care of her, because when she gets really sick. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes one thing i so appreciate is like i was really i think like that was one scene i was really afraid what they were gonna do um because i really love that scene in the book so i'm so glad they got that scene right because that was one of my absolute favorite scenes in the book and it's so it's just so wonderful when you see an adaptation and you're like yes they did it right yeah, like they got what made the book special. Yeah, exactly. I and they really like in contrast to Bridgerton did it by digging deeper into the source material and you know not adding incoherent plot lines that uh didn't need to be there. <laughs> Uh, I would say the difference between this and like a Bridgerton, Bridgerton is, well, although I guess Bridgerton is a series of books, isn't it? Yes. I was going to say this is, yeah, this is one movie compared to like multiple seasons of a television show. So like, I get why they might have had to add stuff to stretch it out. Um, But they didn't even, I don't know, they didn't even do the complete. Like, they left out so much. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we need to pad a little bit. It was like, oh, no, we're just going to completely change this. Um, Which is, I think, what made it so frustrating. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think this is a really, I think The Hang Game is a really good example of we are not going to run away from the book. We are, are going to dig in. And yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, cause it, I mean, really, like, it is like beat for beat. The main thing they really change is Danny, um, being much more of a schmuck in the book. Um, but other than that, and they do go a little bit more into the, the Bexley Gammon thing. Um, so you get a little more of the backstory. Sure. Um, But, um. Other than that, yeah, they really, I mean, they just took all the important stuff, got rid of the fluff, and, you know, really kept beat for beat. Well, and I'm glad that they were able to do it in a way 
because I, I, I know that there are also adaptations out in the world that are sort of slavishly devoted to their source material. Right. And I think that can be just as much of a hindrance as not being enough beholden to your source material. Like when you're, when you're translating a story into a different medium, I think that there are changes you can and should make to reflect that you're using a different medium to tell it. And I think your example of how they deal with the interiority of this story in a visual, like a largely visual medium um, shows that they were willing to make adjustments as needed to reflect the fact that this is a movie, not a book. Right. And that we're not just in Lucy's head. And yeah. And I, I think that, um, yeah, I think they really thought about, okay, we're not, this is not just going to be coming from one point of view. How do we like make this, um, work where it's not, we're not just getting hints that Josh likes Lucy. Like it is, pretty clear from moment one um yeah yeah i think they were really thoughtful about how how we portray like why lucy doesn't know josh is into her while at the same time you know still making it clear for the audience and like you know the fact that we can see that um versus <laughs> Versus just kind of pick up on hints in the page. Um, yeah, and Truly I'm glad you... so funny. So funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm glad to hear, too, because I think oftentimes those, those adaptions that are so slavish, you almost need, like, you need the context of a book to make certain things meaningful. Because I think sometimes what happens is they, they don't give moments room to breathe because they're racing between every little moment in a in a book and uh -huh. so you don't have moment you don't have moments to breathe and so you don't like an audience either things go by so quickly and it's not clear to an audience what's going on or the emotional beats don't land because you haven't had enough time to absorb them so I'm really glad to hear as a non-book reader that this movie, like, was coherent for you, did build to a satisfying arc. Because um, I was a little oh, afraid well, re-watching re it. I was like, oh, like, wait, am I... There well, and at the end of the day, it's not a super complicated story. No. Which is fine. Like, it doesn't need to be. Um, but I think that the story is very straightforward. Like, we have two people who think, like... We have two people who, on the surface, are in competition with each other, and as they compete and get to know each other better, like, they fall in love. Like, that's a pretty standard rom-com story. But I think they also gave themselves a lot of room to play with that. Like, <clears throat> like the aforementioned it being really obvious from the get-go that, like, Josh is not like Josh is first and foremost not here to compete with Lucy. He is there to he is there for Lucy. Um but also like his job is important to him and he's really good at it. So like I I think that they they left themselves a lot of room to play inside of this structure that is a little bit predictable. Mm -hmm. Um but that didn't mean that there was nothing to enjoy about the ride that we got to go on. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because, yeah, there are, you know, a lot of... I mean, because, you know, like, you, you know how the story ends as soon as the movie starts by virtue of the genre and the kind of structure that the story sets up but that does not mean that it was not a highly enjoyable ride to get to that ending right and i I also knew how it ended because it is a story that you enjoy and i feel like if this was a movie where they did not end up together (laughs) um that would not have been up your alley and i do not say that to be mean i (laughs) it's just i feel like i have a pretty good handle on the kinds of stories you enjoy at this point yeah we have talked about many of them. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, you you have definitely heard my thoughts on on the fact that all rom coms should have a happy ending. Right. Because so, like, I I think it's fair to say that when this movie starts, we know what our destination is, but the ride to get there, I thought, was interesting and enjoyable. Yeah, and I think it does a nice job balancing. There are some wacky hijinks, but also I I think on rewatch this became a little clearer to me, but I think one reason this movie is successful is there's really just a lot of these characters talking at each other. Like, it, it really, a lot of, like, this movie just lets Lucy and Josh spend a lot of time together. Um... And I think in contrast to I Want You Back, which had our leads spending a lot of time with other people, um, I think that a lot of this movie is just Lucy and Josh in a room together. And it's it's not all wacky hijinks. It is them just having conversations. And I, I think one thing that's good is it, uh, this movie lets them have that. I think a lot of rom-coms are are afraid that if they just have a lot of scenes of their leads talking together you know they're not gonna have the the wacky fun hijinks time the like draw into the movie the shtick you know and i think that part of that is because lucy hale and austin whatever um have a lot of have a lot of really good chemistry together we have watched movies where the leads did not and i did not enjoy those um but that was not a problem here no no oh yeah you you believe they oh oh, yeah i will say i I, like the the part that has the most amount of wacky hijinks is like the first scene where lucy decides that like she has she has a sex dream about josh and then she's like he's in my head i gotta get in his head and that's when she fake like she gets all dressed up and goes to the office and he's like got a hot date tonight and she's like yes and i fast forwarded through that entire sequence because <laughs> <laughs> my capacity for watching people awkwardly explain sexual situations to each other is very low <laughs> Um, so well, yes, she I had has to... like one big pratfall, and that's it. <laughs> but yes, I had to skip the part where she was like, "I'm going to try to seduce you." I was like, mm, "Okay, I believe you, but I am <laughs> going to not watch this." <laughs> Fair. But yeah, otherwise, pretty hijinks free. Um. Which I enjoyed because it meant that we got, a, by the by the end of the movie, we had a really good sense of 
who both of these people were. And I don't know that that's always true. And I think we also get a sense of both who they were, who they are, and who they are together. Yes. Um. Yeah. Like we understand why they like each other. We understand what it is that is like attracting them to each other, and ultimately, like what they both. We don't have to be told what they both see in each other because we get to see it in action. Exactly. Yeah, because I I think that yeah we have we have the the pratfall scene in the beginning and we have the paintball scene, which in some ways is wacky hijinks, but it also functions on the level of seeing Josh be protective of Lucy. Like, yes, there are little wacky hijinks with the paintballs, but it also serves a purpose in their relationship development. There's... Oh, and when he was like, we're on the same team, I was like, yeah, because you made that happen. <laughs> exactly. Like that, one, that whole sequence, I was like, do you, Lucy, how do you exist in this space and not understand that this man is devoted to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I thought that was hilarious. Oh, me too. It was so good. But yeah, no, that's like the cl- the next closest thing the movie has to wacky hijinks. And it, it also, like, it's not just for gigs. Like, it serves a purpose. Yeah. I think you could have lost that scene, and I don't know that we would have lost anything super substantive. But it also doesn't, like, detract from my experience. Well, this movie is a very tight, like, hour 45. It is, so, it is. you know, um, A+. Plus. I mean, I think you need that scene to lead up to the her taking care of him scene. Or her, him taking care of her scene. I guess you could find some other reason she's sick, but... I was gonna say, you could, you could have done that a couple of different ways. Um, but paintball also means... That you get the point, you get the the moment where they are like they have both submitted team building exercises and his one. Yeah. So we also get to see that she is unhappy about playing paintball. <laughs> Quite frankly, I would be too. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be hit with a one of those little paint pellet things. Yeah, don't they like bruise and stuff? Yeah, if you're not wearing like. If you if they don't hit you in like where your vest sits, yeah, no, thank you. No, not for me. Not I'd for rather me. play laser tag. Yep. Same. Well, I am glad. I was a little worried because I knew I built this movie up, <laughs> so I was I was a little like, "Ooh, did I set myself up for success here?" So I'm glad that it sounds like you, besides a f- with a few qualifications, did enjoy it. Started slow, but by the end, I was very into it. Good, good. I was a little worried. I was like, oh, did I build it up too far? Uh, any final thoughts on the hating game? Uh, I appreciated that it they, like, actually boned. And we, like, actually got to see them bone. I think that's something we yeah. weirdly don't see in a lot of these movies. I, I appreciate this movie is not afraid to be sexy. Yes, it yes. I was about to say I was I was about to say yeah, this movie was pretty this movie was pretty sexy. Um Yeah, and I I like that the issue was not the issue was not that um Lucy wanted to have sex. 
like the movie doesn't make the movie doesn't do anything to like embarrass her for being horny it's just that that's not what josh wants Mm -hmm. like the issue is not that she's ready to to bang the issue is that he would like to under different circumstances Mm -hmm. which i also enjoyed because you know people are allowed to be horny (laughs) that's okay exactly i feel like a lot of these a lot of rom-coms are afraid to do that so i was glad it did uh, what would you recommend to people to read or watch when they are done with the hating game? Yeah, so I wanted to think of another enemies to lovers. Um, and obviously there's the obvious suggestion of just read this book. But um, one enemies to lovers I thought of, um, and I think uh, it gets at the root of the appeal of enemies to lovers, which is that someone can see you at your worst and still love you. Um, and one that I think does that really explicitly and really well is called Unlocked by Courtney Milan. Um, yes. And it is about... I love a Courtney. Love, love a, Courtney. a Courtney book. Love a Courtney. Um, and it is about Elaine, um, who um, has been, um, you know, deemed a wallflower and... Evan, a popular Earl, um, she thinks was her former tormentor, uh, and comes back to England, and it turns out he's been totally in love with her this whole time, and kind of a similar, like, so she hates him, he just loves her, um, and has not necessarily, like, he is not completely innocent, he, uh, he did not defend her when he should have, but he... Um, there's a lot of him apologizing for his past actions, um, and Elaine's still hating him. So it's a little bit of a one-sided enemies to lovers, kind of, I guess kind of (laughs) like this. Um, but it's a lovely little novella, um, and I, I like that it really cuts to what makes enemies to lovers appealing. So, Unlocked by Courtney Milan. Martha, what would you recommend? Uh, So I'm going to recommend a book that I may have recommended on this podcast in the past. So if this is a duplicate, I apologize. Uh, The book is called When Dimple Met Rishi by Sandhya Menon. And it is about uh, two Indian teens, Dimple and Rishi. Uh, Rishi is a little bit older and he, his, his older brother was successfully set up by his parents got married as in an arranged marriage and rishi is like sure i'm down set me up and the the girl that rishi's parents um kind of identify for him is dimple so their their parents are kind of conspiring uh to set these two kids up dimple is a tech head who all she want all she is thinking about is going to an app development summer camp um which she has kind of shockingly found out that her parents are agreeing to send her to because she doesn't know that Rishi will also be there and this is all a ploy to get the two of them in the same room so that hopefully they will fall in love and get married when she finds out she real pissed 
(laughs) Because Dimple is not thinking about romance. She's not thinking about boys. She is thinking about her future and the science she wants to do. And Rishi is like, I'm also thinking about my future, but in a different way. So the two of them end up at the same tech summer camp. And um, almost immediately... Rishi is like, look, it's my future wife. And Dimple is like, "Mm, hard pass. (laughs) So it's about the two of them um, kind of getting to know each other as people and not as like these two ideas of people that they have in their head. Um, And also kind of falling in love anyway. And then Dimple trying to decide like how she feels about the fact that this is a guy that her parents like chose for her but maybe that's not all bad um it is very cute they made it into a mini series on netflix i don't remember what it's oh mismatched is the name of the the mini series on netflix um but yeah it's a it's a summer camp movie it's a teens falling in love movie it's a two kids in competition with each other and also falling in love um, it's not really enemies because it it actually it feels a lot like this dynamic where Dimple is like, we're enemies, and Rishi is like, but I love you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's when Dimple met Rishi. Uh, and Sandia Menon does one of my favorite things. She, much like Courtney Milan, has a couple of, and I think, um, Oh, I think Jasmine Guillory does this too. She has a couple of novels that are all sort of peripherally interconnected. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. A side, like a side, a secondary character in one will become a primary character in the next one. Um. So, and her her books are all about Indian Americans, and they are all adorable. Uh, but the one that I am recommending specifically today is When Dimple Met Rishi. That is gonna do it for our episode today um if you would like to hear more from our show you should check out our sister show which updates on the same feed Uh, it is called did you do your homework and i do it with marin's husband pete our last episode was about early aughts conspiracy historical conspiracy theories where we talked about the da vinci code and national treasure and had just a delightful time And our next episode is going to be a deep dive into uh, the iconic cultural figure, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Very excited about that. (laughs) Um, You can follow the show at all the places at DYDYH podcast, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, You can follow me individually at Magical Martha. I'm at most social media places there, although these days I'm enjoying Instagram a little bit more than I am enjoying Twitter. It's a bit less of a hellscape, and I get to see more people's guinea pigs that way. <laughs> uh, Marin, where can people follow you? Um, folks can find me on Twitter, A underscore star underscore danced, where I mostly tweet about romance novels these days. Uh, and for our next episode... We are returning to Netflix for the brand new adaptation, uh, Heartstopper. Uh, it is a an adaptation of a webcomic and graphic novel of the same name by Alice Osman, um, and it is about a cute gay British high schooler 
who falls in love with one of the kids he sits next to in class. Uh, it is eight episodes, each about a half hour long, so we will be discussing as much of that as Marn and I can get through in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> we will see you all two weeks from now, uh, and until then, just remember that we love you. Fantastic. Woo, we did it. <laughs>